We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 280 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, March 28th, 2022. And I am here with you. Uh, still not 100%, as you can probably tell. Uh, the voice is still not 100%. But here we are together again. That is a good thing. I feel like I should do a whole segment thanking everyone who has sent well wishes over the last few days. I got a lot of nice tweets and emails wishing me well. Uh, I appreciate every one of them. Heck, somebody came up to me at the gym on Sunday morning and said that he hoped that my voice was doing better. Uh, very nice of him to do that. Now, I'm sure that like everyone around me is going to end up getting whatever the heck it is that I have. But as some of you pointed out to me, there is something going around. Now, what that something is, we do not know. Uh, Like I said on Friday's show, I tested negative for COVID. So uh, there must be some cold or flu going around. Uh, I tell you what doesn't help any of us, the schizo weather that we've been having. We've gone from feeling like it's May to feeling like it's November, but the month of March is winding down. Hopefully, we're about to get some consistent quality to our weather in the Washington, D.C. area. And we, of course, now have the Final Four all set in the NCAA tournament. And the Final Four is quite the Final Four. This has been an odd NCAA tournament, right? A lot of big upsets, a lot of close games, but also a lot of low-scoring games, a lot of bad shooting games. Uh, And for all of the upsets, look at what we have in the Final Four. One seed in Kansas, two two seeds in Duke and Villanova, and yes, an eight seed, but an eight seed that sure doesn't feel like an eight seed in North Carolina. And I have to say, as awesome as the run by 15-seeded St. Peter's was, as glorious as the run as the Peacocks run was, it's not a bad thing that we have Carolina versus Duke in the Final Four. I mean, how about that? The greatest rivalry in college basketball. The two teams have never met in an NCAA tournament, but now finally will meet in an NCAA tournament, and in a Final Four, and in Mike Krzyzewski's final season as Duke head coach. I mean, you you can't make this stuff up. Uh, Hello and welcome to a Monday installment 
of the Al Goldie podcast. Big week in the NFL, the annual league meeting, commonly referred to as the owners meeting or owners meetings taking place this week, Sunday through Wednesday in Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, For our purposes as Commanders fans, things could be happening. Uh, Perhaps we'll get more of a sense of how the other NFL owners are feeling about it. Our owner, our guy, our lovable, huggable leader, Dan Snyder. You know, we had bad news for Dan on Friday in the new stadium search, a search that continues to go on and on and on and feels like it'll never end. But did you catch this? Commander's insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com on Friday reported that the Virginia legislature was expected to cut its offer to the commanders from a proposed $1 billion to $350 million in state-issued bonds. Uh, We call that bad news for the Danny. Uh, Maryland is offering even less than that. Washington, D.C. seems like a total non-factor at this point. Dan may well have to pay far more for his next stadium than he ever thought. But yeah, the annual league meeting is this week. The expectation slash hope is that Ron Rivera will be speaking at length at some point, so we could have a whole lot happening. In the meantime, uh, next segment, I want to talk Commanders, Deshaun Watson, and Carson Wentz with you. Uh, We on Friday had the Deshaun Watson-Cleveland Browns introductory press conference. Uh, It was shall we say, interesting. And depending on what you believe, it may have been one of the like dirtier things that we've ever had in sports. How should we feel now about the commanders having not traded for Watson? Uh, I'll get into that. There's a lot to get into. And you will hear a key audio from the Deshaun Watson Browns intro presser on Friday. Uh, Also on the show, an oh-so-rare weekend of nothing but winning for both the Wizards and the Capitals. Who'd have thunk it? How often do we have that? Uh, The Wizards have their first winning streak in more than two and a half months, if you can believe that. Friday night, a 197 win at the Detroit Pistons. Sunday evening, a 123-115 win over the Golden State Warriors at Capital One Arena. And the Caps won two games over the weekend as well. Friday night, a 4-3 shootout win at the Buffalo Sabres. Saturday night, a 4-3 win over the New Jersey Devils at Capital One Arena. I will talk Wizards and Caps in a bit. Uh, I'll also talk Nationals. Could it be that their number one pitching prospect, Cade Cavalli, will be on the team's opening day roster? And how about the Nats bringing back yet another player from their past in reliever Tyler Clippard. Uh, I do have uh, some thoughts on that. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the Al Galdi podcast. Subscribing costs you nothing. You don't have to worry about inflation when it comes to subscribing to this podcast. Uh, also, if you haven't yet rated and reviewed the podcast, please do those things wherever you can. The most prominent place is Apple Podcasts, which is how most people listen to this podcast. Just give the podcast a five-star rating and write a one or two cents review saying, how much that you like the podcast. And thank you very much for doing these things. They do help to make the podcast successful. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I'll continue to hold off 
on going through tweets and emails here until we're closer to 100%. Uh, but know that I appreciate all of your feedback, read all of your feedback, and we'll get back to tweets and emails hopefully sooner rather than later. In the meantime, though, let us get going with this Monday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. All right, so we on Friday had the introductory press conference for Deshaun Watson with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, If you watched the press conference or at least saw some of the highlights of the press conference, uh, (laughs) you know about the nature of the press conference. The press conference was about as serious, about as solemn as an introductory press conference will ever be. Introductory press conferences are supposed to be happy and fun and exciting, right? I mean, hope springs eternal at introductory press conferences. The reason that a team holds an introductory press conference is to, wait for it, introduce a new acquisition to the media and to the fan base. And obviously, if you as a team have just acquired someone, uh, be that someone, a player, a coach, or an executive, you in theory are happy to have acquired that someone and proud to have acquired that someone and want to share with the world that you have acquired that someone. Want to shout from the rooftops that you have acquired that someone. Think back to the commander's introductory press conference for Carson Wentz. Uh, That intro presser was on March 17th. Whatever you think about the commander's trading for Wentz, his intro presser was meant to be a happy and fun event. Uh, Wentz had the (laughs) impressive drip with the gold jacket and burgundy collared shirt. Uh, Ron Rivera, of course, began his introductory remarks by saying, Happy Thanksgiving. You know, the Wentz intro presser was meant to be a feel-good experience. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> an awful lot has happened since uh, since Thanksgiving and just wanted to get an opportunity to introduce our, our, our new quarterback, our QB1, uh, as a lot of you like to refer to him. Yes, Ron. Happy Thanksgiving. I love, by the way, how Ron Rivera tried to create an actual transition between saying Happy Thanksgiving and introducing Carson Wentz by saying that an awful lot had happened since Thanksgiving, as if saying Happy Thanksgiving at the beginning was some natural way to have begun the press conference. I got a kick out of that. But yeah, the commander's introductory press conference for Carson Wentz on March 17th was meant to be a positive occurrence. Well, This Deshaun Watson-Brown's introductory press conference on Friday was different, very different. Uh, The entire press conference became about the Browns having traded for Watson as he is facing 22 civil lawsuits that have been filed by massage therapists against Watson, accusing him of a range of actions during massage appointments from March 2020 to March 2021. And it was impossible for me to watch the Deshaun Watson Browns introductory press conference on Friday and not think about what if our commanders had traded for Watson, especially given the commander's workplace misconduct scandal. Now, let me make something clear. I think that the biggest reason that the commanders didn't trade for Watson is that they didn't think that he would choose them over every other team that was interested in trading for him. Uh, Watson, of course, had a no-trade clause in his contract 
with the Houston Texans that Watson has this legal situation certainly didn't help the cause of the commanders potentially trading for him. But if we're being real, I don't think that the commanders had great faith in Watson ultimately choosing them over every other team that was interested in trading for him. Uh, It is true that the commanders were interested in trading for Watson. Uh, That has been reported by quite a few people. It also is true that, at least according to the man who is maybe Watson's closest pal in the media, Watson was open to playing for the commanders. Uh, NFL insider Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network on March 7th went on B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan. Wilson said that he thought that Watson would be interested in playing for the commanders and that playing for them, quote, would definitely have some intrigue and he would consider it like any other team, end quote. And then Aaron Wilson on March 9th reported that the commanders had been researching Watson's legal situation and reviewing his game. So Deshaun Watson may have been open to playing for the Commanders, but there's a difference, right, between being open to playing for a team and wanting to play for that team more than playing for any other team. See Russell Wilson. I do believe that Wilson was open to playing for the Commanders, but I also believe that he wanted to play for the Denver Broncos more, and the Seattle Seahawks wanted to trade Wilson to an AFC team, and so he was dealt to the Broncos and not to the Commanders. So Wilson, as you likely know, had a no-trade clause in his contract with the Seahawks. So let's not put the Commanders on like some moral high ground, okay? I think that they ultimately tapped out on trading for Deshaun Watson because they didn't think that he would approve a trade to them over a trade to every other team. Uh, That said, Watson's legal situation was and is a thing. Uh, NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB in a mailbag column that came out on March 9th said that the commanders likely would not trade for Watson until all of his legal issues were resolved. Well, all of his legal issues have not been resolved. Uh, He's still facing the 22 civil lawsuits, although he still has not been criminally charged and him not being criminally charged now extends over two grand juries. Uh, March 11th, a grand jury in Harris County, Texas, declined to indict Watson on criminal charges after a police investigation sparked by the 22 civil lawsuits. Uh, Harris County is where uh, Houston is located. And then this past Thursday, March 24th, a second grand jury in Texas, this time in Brazoria County, declined to indict Watson after considering an accusation of sexual misconduct. Uh, Personally, I wanted the commanders in on trading for Deshaun Watson if he wasn't criminally charged, and if the team felt that there was a good chance that he wasn't guilty of most slash all of what he has been accused of doing, and wasn't guilty of at least uh, the most serious things that he has been accused of doing. Remember, one of the things that Watson has been accused of is sexual assault. He has been accused of forced oral sex, but I've always felt that it's highly unlikely that Watson is totally innocent of everything. I mean, the guy is facing 22 civil lawsuits. Not one, not two, not three, not five, 22. Unless there is some vast conspiracy to get to Sean Watson, it's hard to believe that all 22 of these women are lying. But I am open to the possibility that Watson isn't guilty of everything of which he has been accused. And if he's not guilty of the most serious stuff, including the forced oral sex, uh, then I don't think it's crazy for a team to have traded for him. And so one of the really interesting aspects of the Deshaun Watson Browns introductory press conference on Friday was him adamantly saying that he's innocent of all of these accusations 
and the Browns saying that they're comfortable with their due diligence. Here was Watson on Friday. I don't have any regrets. Um, like, like I said before, the things that, that are off the field right now that came up, you know, caught me by surprise because I never did anything that these people are, are alleging. And I know a lot of people say that I took the year off um, and I used that to be able to clear my name um, like the previous uh, two weeks and, and just to continue to fight that. And I just continue to work and become a better person, a better player and just a better son, um, you know, like my mom has always taught me. All right, so Deshaun Watson on Friday, quote, I don't have any regrets. I never did anything that these people are alleging, end quote. So that's pretty clear, right? I'm innocent of everything of which I have been accused. Also in the presser was an exchange with longtime Browns insider Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. Mary Kay Cabot is maybe the most prominent female beat reporter covering an NFL team. There are plenty of women in the national media covering the NFL, but in terms of local media, Mary Kay Cabot may be number one in terms of prominence. It's funny, right? Deshaun Watson ended up on the team covered by maybe the most prominent female beat reporter covering an NFL team. Anyway, take a listen to the following exchange between Mary Kay Cabot and Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, Deshaun, what can you say to Browns fans and to the people of Cleveland to convince them that you're not the person that is described in these complaints and suits? And do you sort of understand why it can be hard for people uh, to, you know, believe that right now, given the sheer numbers involved? No, definitely. I understand the whole circumstances is very difficult, especially for the, the, the women's side of the fans in this community. Um, I'm not naive to that. I know these allegations is very, very serious. But I, like I've mentioned before, I've never assaulted any woman. I never disrespected any woman. I was raised by a single parent mom who has two aunties who's her sister. And that's who, that's who raised me. I was raised to be genuine and respect everyone and everything around me. So I've, I've always defended that and I will continue to stand on that. And I just want the opportunity to be able to show who I really am in the community and be hands-on and help people and serve other people. All right, Deshaun Watson, again, proclaiming his total innocence. Quote, I've never assaulted any woman I never disrespected any woman, end quote. Uh, And Watson also brought up that he was raised by a single mom and his uh, two aunties. Uh, Look, if Deshaun Watson is telling the truth about his innocence, that was a very good answer, okay? I mean, that sounded like a very genuine answer, uh, but was that answer a very genuine answer? You know, one of the sad things to me about this Deshaun Watson situation is that there obviously is lying going on. And there's lying going on regarding something very serious, sexual misconduct, including sexual assault. I mean, either these women are lying about what happened to them or Deshaun Watson is lying about being totally innocent of what he has been accused of doing. It's sad that there clearly is lying taking place here. Uh, If Deshaun Watson is telling the truth and he's truly innocent and these women are out to get him for whatever reason, then more power to Deshaun Watson. But what if Watson isn't telling the truth? What if Watson is lying? 
What if Watson is a total phony, a total fraud? You know, what if Watson is a lie telling, fake news spewing fraud? You know, something else that came up during the Deshaun Watson Browns introductory press conference on Friday was the contract. Uh, The Browns in trading for Watson have given him a new contract and the contract is a whopper, a five-year, $230 million contract that is fully guaranteed. Yes, fully guaranteed. As you likely know, most NFL contracts are not fully guaranteed. Watson's new contract with the Browns is fully guaranteed. And it's not some one or two year contract. Again, five years, $230 million. And understand that Watson didn't have to get a new contract. It's not like this coming season was set to be a contract season for Watson. Watson in September 2020 with the Texans signed a four year, $156 million contract extension that was to take him through the 2025 season. Uh, The Browns seemingly gave Watson a new contract in order to entice him to choose them over other teams as Watson, remember, had a no trade clause in his contract. Uh, There's also this with Watson's new contract. The contract includes a base salary for the 2022 season of just a million dollars. His base salary for the 2022 season under his previous contract was $35 million. dollars. Why has Watson's base salary for the 2022 season been drastically reduced? Well, it would seem that the reason is so that he would lose less money if he is suspended during the 2022 season. Watson, under his previous contract, would have lost $1.94 million for every game for which he was suspended in the 2022 regular season. Watson, under his new contract, would lose just $55,556 for every game for which he is suspended in the 2022 regular season. I mean, you talk about doing all that you can contractually to make a player happy. That is what the Browns seemingly have done for Deshaun Watson. And so getting back to this idea of Watson potentially being a liar, a phony, take a listen to this exchange on Friday with another longtime Cleveland sports personality, Terry Pluto, columnist for Cleveland.com. Deshaun, you originally turned down the Browns and then you flipped and went back to the Browns. How much of that had to just do with the contract? Um, actually, it had nothing to do with the contract. I didn't know about the contract until I told my agent that I wanted to come and be a Cleveland Brown. That was secondary. That was after the fact that we spoke on the phone with A.B. and Kevin and, and the Haslam family. So that had nothing to do with me choosing the Cleveland Browns. Okay, so said to Sean Watson on Friday about this new five-year, fully guaranteed $230 million contract that the Browns didn't have to give him. Quote, I didn't know about the contract until I told my agent that I wanted to come and be a Cleveland Brown. That had nothing to do with me choosing the Cleveland Browns. End quote. Uh, okay. Hey, maybe Deshaun Watson is telling the truth, all right? I'm not a mind reader. I'm not going to sit here and say that I know with complete certainty that Watson is lying about the contract, having had nothing to do with him choosing the Browns. Just like I'm not going to sit here and say that I know with complete certainty that Watson is lying when he says that he's totally innocent 
of what he has been accused of doing. But you tell me, what do you think is more likely? That the new five-year fully guaranteed $230 million contract had nothing to do with Watson choosing the Browns or that the new five-year fully guaranteed $230 million contract had something to do with Watson choosing the Browns. Uh, Along those lines, we had more potential lying at the Deshaun Watson Browns introductory press conference on Friday. Uh, Also speaking on Friday was Browns general manager Andrew Berry. Uh, As I said, Watson's new contract with the Browns is structured in such a way that it minimizes the money that he'll lose if slash when he is suspended by the NFL for at least part of the 2022 regular season. Take a listen to this exchange on Friday between Browns insider Jake Trotter of ESPN and Andrew Berry. Yeah, Andrew, can you explain why you uh, structured the contract in a way in which that if Watson is suspended by the NFL this season, he's going to lose less than $60,000 per game loss out of a contract that's going to pay him $230 million guaranteed. Yeah, Jake, it's a, it's a, I appreciate the question. And um, I think you guys know, I typically don't talk about contracts in this setting. I actually will make a departure from that because I do think a little bit of context is in, important. Say a couple things. Number one, we certainly understand the optics of it. Um, I think for us, after we got com- comfortable with Deshaun, um, you know, the contract was uh, really a football decision. Um, the things that were important to us from a club perspective were um, to have another year, have Deshaun under contract for another year, and to have it structured in a manner that would allow us, um, you know, maximum flexibility to execute the rest of our off-season plan. Um, and that's specifically true um, as we really kind of facilitate the next steps with with Baker and Baker's contracts, um, you know, on our cap. And I think probably the other thing to mention is that structure, Jake, is um, you know very similar to a lot of the the large contracts that we already have. Um, that we excuse me, a lot of the larger player contracts that we already have um, on the books. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Browns GM Andrew Barry on Friday said that the structure of Deshaun Watson's new contract, a structure that reduces Watson's per-game loss money for every game for which he is suspended in the 2022 regular season to less than $56,000 as opposed to $1.94 million has nothing to do with minimizing financial loss for Watson if he is suspended and instead has to do with creating, quote, maximum flexibility to execute the rest of our off-season plan, end quote. Uh, okay. As I said with Deshaun Watson, maybe Andrew Berry is telling the truth, but you tell me what's more likely, that he's telling the truth or that he is lying. And so you take all of this in as a Commanders fan. How would you have felt about the Commanders having been the team that traded for Deshaun Watson and that gave him this new five-year fully guaranteed $230 million contract that includes a structure by which financial loss incurred by a suspension in the 2022 regular season would be drastically lessened. How would you have felt about Deshaun Watson standing at a podium or being seated at a table at Commander's Headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia, doing an introductory press conference and potentially lying like crazy about having not done 
what he has been accused of doing and having never assaulted any woman and having never disrespected any woman. How would you have felt about Ron Rivera or Martin Mayhew at a Deshaun Watson commander's introductory press conference saying that Watson was given a new five-year fully guaranteed $230 million contract that includes this advantageous structure by which financial loss incurred by a suspension in the 2022 regular season would be drastically lessened. Uh, It was done simply to create, quote, maximum flexibility (laughs) to execute the rest of our offseason plan, end quote. And to have it structured in a manner that would allow us, um, you know, maximum flexibility to execute the rest of our offseason plan. Yeah, exactly. We're just trying to have a maximum flexibility to execute the rest of our offseason plan. Come on, guys. Calm down. Relax. How would you, as a Commanders fan, have felt about all of this? I would not have felt great. And again, I say that as someone who is very open to the Commanders trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. And I am not someone who believes that professional sports are, you know, religion class and that we with our pro sports have to be teaching people morality. But at some point, there is a line that Watson may be guilty of all of this sexual misconduct, including sexual assault, and yet has been rewarded with a new five-year fully guaranteed $230 million contract that includes the drastically reduced base salary for the 2022 season that minimizes potential lost money if he is suspended for all or part of the 2022 regular season, and that Watson and his new GM were up there on Friday potentially lying about all of this. All of that is something, man, okay? All of that is something. Now, one more time, maybe Deshaun Watson and Andrew Barry were telling the truth, okay? I tend to think not, but I don't just completely dismiss the possibility that these guys we're telling the truth. But imagine the commanders, not the Browns, being the team doing all of this. And then throw in, oh, by the way, that the commanders are doing all of this in the midst of their workplace misconduct scandal. Hard to picture all of that going well <laughs> and being well received, right? Now, if Deshaun Watson was great for the Commanders, uh, just like if he's great for the Browns, uh, then the outrage ultimately doesn't matter so much. And this pretty clearly is the gamble that the Browns are taking, right? What the Browns truly think about what Deshaun Watson did or didn't do, who the heck knows? But if he leads the Browns to a Super Bowl title, then honestly, I don't think that the Browns care what Watson did or didn't do. And I'm guessing that many, if not most, Browns fans do not care what Watson did or didn't do. And I think that the same would hold true for the Commanders and Commanders fans. Had the Commanders traded for Deshaun Watson, and then he led the Commanders to a Super Bowl title. But geez, this may well be quite the Faustian bargain uh, that the Browns have struck for Deshaun Watson. And so now consider that the commanders did as they did do this offseason in terms of the quarterback position. Uh, The commanders, instead of trading for Deshaun Watson, traded for Carson Wentz. Uh, Obviously, this was never an either-or proposition, okay? It's not like the commanders had to choose between trading for Deshaun Watson versus trading for Carson Wentz, but consider for a moment Watson versus who the commanders actually got in terms of a veteran quarterback acquisition this offseason. Uh, Deshaun Watson is a much better quarterback than Carson Wentz is. No sane person 
would argue otherwise. But one thing about Wentz is that you pretty clearly don't have to worry about him getting massages from a bunch of different women and him being accused of sexual misconduct, including sexual assault. Uh, Carson Wentz is about as goody two-shoes as they come. In fact, he may be too much of a goody two-shoes. Some people think that this is actually part of why he doesn't always get along with his teammates. Uh, Wentz is very religious. Uh, He has talked about this quite a bit. Now, just because you are religious doesn't mean that you are a wonderful person, okay? Plenty of people who claim to be religious aren't good people, and plenty of people who aren't religious are good people. Uh, Actually, Watson, on March 11th, upon not being criminally charged, tweeted, quote, when you stand on the truth, the Lord will free you, end quote. Uh, So Watson has involved God in all of this. Uh, Now, if Watson is telling the truth, great. Uh, But if not, then Watson's lying involves claiming that he has God on his side. Isn't that nice? Uh, But this was Carson Wentz at his introductory press conference on March 17th on the importance of his faith. Take a listen. It's been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind. And as a man, uh, as a man of God and follower of Christ, it's been... uh, a lot of surrender, a lot of surrender, because you come in and as a man, you want to control everything. You want to, you know, okay, this is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to go. Um, and, and I'm going to write my own story. But you learn quickly that, that God's writing the story. God's writing the story, and I just have to surrender and be obedient to that and um, put my best foot forward. Put my best foot forward and uh, really cherish the moments that I have and build the relationships that I can. And um, the trade obviously was surprising and all those things. But again, it was another opportunity for me to, to trust God, trust God that He's He's sovereign and He's going to you know put me where He wants me to be, and uh, for me and my family to, to come here and make the most of it. Okay, so as you heard, Carson Wentz's faith is a big deal to him. Again. Doesn't mean with absolute certainty that Wentz is a great person, but you do feel like Wentz probably won't be being accused of sexual misconduct by 22 different women anytime soon. From a football standpoint, we as Commanders fans all would much rather that the Commanders have traded for Deshaun Watson instead of traded for Carson Wentz. But if Watson is guilty of all that he has been accused of doing, and if Watson on Friday was lying like a rug, And if the Browns were forced to give Watson this incredibly favorable contract in order for him to waive his no-trade clause for the Browns, essentially rewarding Watson for his misdeeds, then maybe, just maybe, we shouldn't feel that bad about the commanders having not traded for Watson. Up next, very good weekends for our Wizards and Capitals. I'll get to the weekends that were for the Wiz and Caps after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, incredibly, amazingly, astonishingly, the Wizards have themselves a winning streak. Uh, the Wizards had not had a winning streak, had not won at least two consecutive games since a three-game winning streak in January, in games on January 9th through the 12th. Uh, perhaps nothing had captured how bad the Wizards had been for months, more than that, that the team had not put together a winning streak of any kind since games on January 9th through the 12th. Well, my friends, the drought now is over. The Wizards have themselves a two-game winning streak. The damn Washington Wizards! Yes, Stephen A., a two-game winning streak for our Wizards. Imagine that. Uh, two games for the Wizards over the weekend. And each game ended up being a Wizards win. Uh, Friday night, a 197 win at the Detroit Pistons. Sunday evening, a 123-115 win over the Golden State Warriors at Capital One Arena as the Wizards won for just the fifth time in 16 games. So the Wiz now are 32 and 42. Uh, the Wiz are five games behind the Atlanta Hawks for 10th in the Eastern Conference, have just eight regular season games left. Uh, the Wizards are right on the doorstep of being eliminated from play in tournament contention, but at least they have their first winning streak in two and a half months. Nobody can take that away from our team. Uh, now, a few things on these two wins for the Wizards over the weekend. So the win at the Pistons on Friday night uh, did come, uh, well, at the Pistons. So the Pistons are terrible this season. The Pistons, with this loss, fell to an Eastern Conference worst tying 20-54 and 54 this season. Uh, also, the Wizards won at the Pistons on Friday night despite blowing a 17-point third-quarter lead. Uh, the Wizards led in the third quarter by 17 points, at 63-46. The Wizards then allowed the Pistons to go on a massive run, actually trailed in the fourth quarter by three points at 93-90, but the Wizards then ended the game on a 10-4 run. And then the win over the Warriors at Capital One Arena on Sunday evening, that win came over a Warriors team that was without Steph Curry, uh, who did not play due to a left foot sprain. Uh, however, the Warriors are overall a very good team this season, and the Wizards do remain Without multiple key players, uh, Kyle Kuzma now has not played in each of the Wizards' last five games due to right knee tendonitis. Bradley Beal remains out for the rest of the regular season due to a torn ligament in his left wrist, on which he underwent surgery on February 10th. And the Wizards on Friday night were without Daniel Gafford due to a neck strain. Uh, excellent weekend for the Wizards in terms of three-point defense. Uh, the Wizards in their win 
at the Pistons on Friday night, held the Pistons to just a 6 of 32 on threes. The Wizards in their win over the Warriors at Capital Win Arena on Sunday evening held the Warriors to just 8 of 33 on threes. Now, the Wizards did have some defensive problems over the weekend. I mean, uh, these are the Wizards, after all. Uh, the Wiz did give up 54 points in the paint in each game. Uh, the Wizards did allow the Warriors to have 39 free throw attempts. The Warriors went 31 to 39 on free throws. But given how awful the Wizards have been defensively for months, you take in a heartbeat how the Wizards did defensively over the weekend. Uh, offensively, the Wizards on Friday night were mixed. And then on Sunday evening, were outstanding. Uh, the Wizards in their win at the Pistons on Friday night went just 9 of 30 on threes and committed 17 turnovers, but the Wiz in that game also went 27 of 53 on twos and 19 of 21 on free throws. And then the Wizards in their win over the Warriors at Capital Win Arena on Sunday evening were terrific offensively. The Wizards went a scorching 16 of 28 on threes. The Wizards went 28 of 56 on twos. The Wizards went 19 of 22 on free throws. The Wizards finished with 33 assists versus 12 turnovers. So really good offense for the Wizards on Sunday evening. Wizards, in fact, never trailed in the game. Uh, they led by 18 points in the second quarter. Did see the lead get cut to five points late in the fourth quarter, but the Wizards held on for the win. Uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis continues to come through for the Wizards. Uh, this has been very encouraging how good, for the most part, Porzingis has looked in his time with the Wizards. Uh, Porzingis in the win at the Pistons on Friday night connected on a contested go-ahead 10-foot pull-up jumper for a 98-97 Wizards lead with 29.5 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Porzingis is really good in this game. He in just 32 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter had 30 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, versus two turnovers, two blocks, and two steals. He went three of eight on threes, eight of 14 on twos, five of seven on free throws. He, in the fourth quarter, had 11 points, four rebounds, and two blocks. And then Porzingis in the win over the Warriors at Capital One Arena on Sunday evening. Didn't shoot well from the field, went just one of six on threes, just five of 15 on twos. But he went 10 of 11 on free throws, finished with 23 points, nine rebounds, and six assists versus four turnovers and 31-11 as a starter. A really good weekend for Denny Avdia. Uh, Avdia in the win at the Pistons on Friday night was terrific off the bench. 31-49 off the bench. 3-7 on threes. 4-9 on twos. 4-4 on free throws. Finished with 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. He did commit four turnovers, but then Avdia in the win over the Warriors at Capital One Arena on Sunday evening. 28-10 off the bench. 3-4 on threes. 2-5 on twos. Finished with 14 points, 7 rebounds, and four assists versus two turnovers. I tell you, the Wizards bench on Sunday evening was quite good. Daniel Gafford was back from his one-game absence caused by the next drain. 16-13 off the bench, five of six from the field, all twos. He finished with 11.6 rebounds and two blocks. Anthony Gill was key in this win over the Warriors at Capital One Arena on Sunday evening. 20-51 off the bench, one of one on threes, two of two on twos. He finished with nine points, eight rebounds, three assists, versus no turnovers and two blocks. Uh, also key for the Wizards in their win over the Warriors at Capital One Arena on Sunday evening was Corey Kispert. You know, Kispert has not been great lately. He was great on Sunday evening. Kispert in 40 minutes, 48 seconds as a starter, went 6-9 on threes, 3-3 three three on twos, finished with 25 points, 3 assists, 
versus one turnover in the game best plus minus rating of plus 16. Uh, mixed weekend for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. He struggled in the win at the Pistons on Friday night. He in 33-27 as a starter. Scored just eight points, had just three rebounds. Went 0-3 on threes, just two of seven on twos. But KCP in the win over the Warriors at Capital Win Arena on Sunday evening. Three of three on threes, five of five on twos, three of three on free throws. Finished with 22 points, four rebounds, three assists versus two turnovers and two blocks in 30-55 as a starter. And we have had a notable change in the Wizards starting lineup. Uh, head coach Wes Unsell Jr. started Thomas Sadoransky at point guard over Raul Neto in each of the last two games. Uh, Sadoransky hasn't been spectacular, but he over the two games over the weekend did total 13 assists versus three turnovers. Neto, a DNP CD in each game over the weekend. So Raul Neto now is in Thomas Bryant territory. And speaking of Bryant, he was a DNPCD on Sunday evening. He now has been a DNPCD in nine of the Wizards' last 12 games. But yes, we do now finally have a Wizards winning streak for the first time in two and a half months. That really is something. Uh, here was Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Sunday night. I, I was hoping you wouldn't point that out, but that was a softball. Uh, it feels good. Um, sadly, that it's been that long. Um, we talked about it the, uh, the other night, actually, uh, an opportunity loss. But, um, you know, to get a little bit of carryover and you, know, you, you wind up winning a tough game late, game that we probably should have put away. But you know, once again, they amped up their pressure uh, and, and they're, they're masters at it. Draymond is, is he's smart as smartest defender out there and he has the ability to play the game within the game. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's an unbelievable defender. So uh, with his technique and physicality, it got under our skin a little bit. Uh, it disrupted us quite a bit. Um, but to make plays down the stretch when we needed them, uh, once again, that's an opportunity uh, for guys to show what they're made of. So I was pleased to see us, you know, uh, grit it out. All right. Next up for the Wizards, back-to-back games. Uh, home to the Chicago Bulls Tuesday night at 7, and then home to the Orlando Magic Wednesday night at 7. Well, let's talk Capitals. The Caps have 15 regular season games left, uh, including a game on Monday night against the Metropolitan Division-leading Carolina Hurricanes. So the Caps will host the Hurricanes Monday night at seven. Uh, the Caps are nine points behind the Hurricanes, but the Caps are in very comfortable position in terms of making the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, two wins for the Caps over the weekend. Friday night, a 4-3 shootout win at the Buffalo Sabres. Saturday night, a 4-3 win over the New Jersey Devils at Capital One Arena. The Caps overcame a 2-1 third period deficit with three third period goals. Now, neither win was a work of art, but the bottom line is that the Caps over the weekend picked up four points in back-to-back games. Caps this season now are 37-20-10, have 84 points, so the Caps are 15 points ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets for the second wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. The top two wildcard teams in each conference will make the Stanley Cup playoffs. So the Caps, barring some like epic collapse, will be making the playoffs. And the Caps could climb up the standings 
Uh, though we on Sunday had multiple games of interest for the Caps, and uh, the results of those games were not good uh, in terms of being favorable to the Caps. So the Toronto Maple Leafs topped the Florida Panthers 5-2 on Sunday night. The Tampa Bay Lightning won at the New York Islanders 4-1 on Sunday afternoon. The Pittsburgh Penguins smashed the Detroit Red Wings 11-2 on Sunday evening. Yes, the final score of that game was 11-2. The New York Rangers beat the Buffalo Sabres 5-4 in overtime on Sunday evening. So the Caps at 84 points are three points behind the Boston Bruins for the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. The top wildcard team in the East keeps changing. Uh, the Caps are six points behind the Penguins for second in the Metropolitan Division, and the Caps are five points behind the Rangers for third in the Metro. Uh, as for the Caps' two wins over the weekend, so the Caps remained without a number of key players, but did get back a key player for TJ Oshie in the 4-3 win over the Devils at Capital One Arena on Saturday night was back. Uh, he returned from a four-game absence caused by a lower body injury that he suffered in the Caps' 7-2 win at the Columbus Blue Jackets on March 17th. Uh, Oshie has missed a lot of time this season. Caps do remain without a bunch of forwards due to injury center. Nick Dowd has not played in each of the Caps' last four games due to an upper body injury for Carl Hagelin. Remains out indefinitely off having undergone left eye surgery on March 1st. He suffered the injury in practice earlier that day. Forward Johan Larson still has not made his Caps debut. Uh, that was one of the guys who the Caps got on NHL trade deadline day last Monday. Larson is recovering from sports hernia surgery that he underwent in early February. And forward Joe Snively remains out due to a left wrist injury. The Caps on March 6th announced that Snively had undergone a left wrist procedure would be out four to six weeks. Also, defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk has not played in each of the Caps' last four games due to an upper body injury. But the Caps did win their two games over the weekend. More goals for Alex Ovechkin over the weekend. Uh, this, of course, is what he does, score goals. So Ovechkin in the 4-3 shootout win at the Sabres on Friday night scored a game-tying even-strength goal in the second period and had the game-winning goal in the shootout. And then Ovechkin in the 4-3 win over the Devils at Capital One Arena on Saturday night had a third-period power play goal. Now, this was far from Ovechkin's best game. He finished with just two shots on goal, although his five-shot attempts did lead the Cavs, but he committed a first-period slashing penalty, and he, per natural stat trick, was next to last on the Cavs in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game at 23.08. The Cavs with Ovechkin on the ice in five-on-five situations, and the game had just six shot attempts versus allowing 20 shot attempts. However, Ovechkin on Saturday night did score a goal, just as he on Friday night scored a goal. Uh, Ovechkin now has 10 goals over his last 12 games. He this season has 42 goals and 36 assists. He's fourth in the NHL this season with 42 goals. And Ovechkin's goal on Saturday night proved to be the game-winning goal that marked his 121st career regular season game-winning goal. That tied Gordie Howe for the second most regular season game-winning goals in NHL history. So we over the weekend had yet another milestone goal for Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov continues to roll. Kuzi now with a career-best 12-game regular season point streak. Uh, Kuznetsov in the 4-3 shootout win at the Sabres on Friday night had the primary assist 
on Alex Ovechkin's game-tying even-strength goal in the second period. And Kuznetsov for natural stat trick was number two on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game at 65.38. The Caps with Kuznetsov on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 17 shot attempts versus allowing just nine shot attempts. And then Kuznetsov in the 4-3 win over the Devils at Capital Win Arena on Saturday night had the primary assist on Alex Ovechkin's third period power play goal. Kuznetsov's assist was his 332nd career regular season assist, moving him past Scott Stevens for 10th on the franchise's all-time regular season assist list. By the way, the Caps on Saturday night won a two on the power play. So the Caps power play remains in a good place. Caps now 22 of 71, 31% on the power play over their last 23 games. Uh, Another cap who is doing really well right now is Anthony Mantha. Uh, Mantha in the 4-3 shootout win at the Sabres on Friday night had a first period even strength goal, was number two on the Caps with five shots on goal, and per natural stat trick was number one on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game at 66.67. The Caps with Mantha on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 16 shot attempts versus allowing just eight shot attempts. Uh, Mantha in the 4-3 win over the Devils at Capital One Arena on Saturday night had the lone assist on a Nicholas Backstrom third period even strength goal. Mantha now five goals, three assists over 12 games since he came back from injury. Mantha had not played in a game since a 5-4 overtime loss at the Florida Panthers on November 4th. Uh, He underwent shoulder surgery on November 5th. And here's another cap who's hot, Tom Wilson. Uh, Wilson in the 4-3 shootout win at the Sabres on Friday night had the secondary assist on Anthony Mantha's first period even strength goal and had a game-high tying four hits. And then Wilson in the 4-3 win over the Devils at Capital One Arena on Saturday night had a second period even strength goal and a team-high and game-high tying four shots on goal. And per natural stat trick finished number two on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game at 55. The Caps with Wilson on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 11 shot attempts versus allowing nine shot attempts. You know, Tom Wilson has set a new single-season career high in points at 46. So Wilson, through 63 games this season, has 20 goals and 26 assists. So Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Anthony Mantha, Tom Wilson, all producing big time lately for the Caps. So the Caps... 4-3 4-3 win over the Devils at Capital One Arena on Saturday night was a special night for Nicholas Backstrom. This was a night on which the Caps honored Backstrom for having recently recorded his 1,000th career regular season NHL point. Well, Backstrom in this game, third period, even strength goal. And he had the secondary assist on Alex Ovechkin's third period power play goal. Now, the Caps, in honor of Backstrom's 1,000th career regular season NHL point, gave out these foam apples to fans, okay? And of course, what did the fans do when Backstrom scored on Saturday night? The fans threw their foam apples onto the ice uh, after that Backstrom goal. That was quite the scene. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on what it was like for him as a coach to take in Backstrom's special night. Well, for everybody, really. You know, everybody inside the organization, and certainly the players, to be a part of that. And, 
you know, experienced that before the game. It's such a tremendous accomplishment, you know, to have his uh, family in town to celebrate that. And uh, for the fans that he's been in front of for so many years, it's um, it was a great night. It was good the way it ended with a win because when you have a great night like that, you want it to end in a positive way where everybody feels good leaving the rink. But um, nonetheless, an incredible accomplishment for an incredible player. No doubt, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, second-best player in Caps history. Uh, we saw both Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek as Caps starting goaltenders over the weekend. Uh, neither guy was great, though Vanacek's performance was better than Samsonov's performance. Uh, Samsonov was a cap starting goaltender in the 4-3 shootout win at the Sabres on Friday night. He was a cap starting goaltender for just the third time in 11 games. He stopped just 20 of the 23 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Samsonov, per natural stat trick, gave up a goal on a high danger shot on goal and gave up two goals on medium danger shots on goal. And this happened in a game in which the Caps did dominate the puck possession battle. Well, the Caps, per natural stat trick, had 50 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Sabres 36, including 10 high danger 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Sabres 5. The Caps finished with 40 shots on goal to the Sabres 23. So you don't like seeing that. When you dominate the puck possession battle uh, and your goaltender isn't being tested a ton, he needs to do better than stopping just 20 of the 23 shots on goal that he faces. Uh, Vanacek was the cap starting goaltender in the 4-3 win over the Devils at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. Uh, Vanacek was a cap starting goaltender for a ninth time in 12 games. He stopped 35 of the 38 Shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Vanacek, per natural stat trick, gave up a goal on a high-danger shot on goal. Did give up two goals on low-danger shots on goal. So another game in which a Caps goaltender gives up at least three goals. Although the Caps in this game did lose the puck possession battle. Uh, and rather handily. So Vanacek was tested a decent amount in this game. Caps per natural stat trick had just 38 five-on-five shot attempts to the Devils' 55, including just four high-danger five-on-five shot attempts to the Devils' nine. The Caps totaled just 22 shots on goal to the Devils' 38. Like I said, neither of the Caps' wins over the weekend was a work of art, okay? There were nits to pick in each game, but the Caps did get two wins and did pick up four more points, and the Caps in this month of March now are nine, two, and one. Not bad. More from Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the fight has been good. And we talked about the month of March. It was obviously a couple of months in January and February that, you know, weren't up to anybody's standard. It's not how we want to play. It's not the record we were looking for. And um, month of March, we just... You know, sometimes you can just clear the clear the deck, turn the page on a month and start a fresh month, and we did. And, um, you know, it's going in the right direction. Yeah, this has been a turbulent cap season in terms of injury and absence and the caps at times not playing well and the goaltending concerns. But overall, uh, hard to be mad about the caps being 37, 20, and 10 this deep into the regular season. All right, let's talk some Nationals before we call it a show. Uh, Nat Spring training continues in West Palm Beach, Florida. We, over the last few days, have had two notable developments with the Nats. Uh, each development has had to do with Nats pitching. So as you likely know, uh, the Nats starting pitching last season was not good. Uh, the Nats in the 2021 regular season finished number 11 
out of 15 National League teams with a starting pitching ERA of 464. There's a very good chance that the Nats starting pitching ERA for the 2022 regular season will be even worse because at least last season, the Nats had Max Scherzer until trading him to the Los Angeles Dodgers in late July. There is no Max Scherzer for the Nats rotation in 2022, at least not an obvious Max Scherzer. The Nats 2022 opening day starter is likely to be Patrick Corbin, who for the 2021 regular season had a 5.82 ERA, which was the worst ERA among qualified pitchers in the majors. But the hope for the Nats is that we in the 2022 season will see the team's number one pitching prospect, Cade Cavalli, start to deliver on his promise. Uh, Cavalli pretty clearly will be making his major league debut in the 2022 regular season. The question is when. And we on Friday perhaps got a sign that Cavalli could be making his major league debut sooner than people thought. Uh, So the Nats on March 14th announced Cavalli as being among the team's non-roster invitees to 2022 Nats spring training. Cavalli now has pitched in two exhibition games this Grapefruit League season. Uh, Cavalli on March 20th in a 3-2 exhibition win over the Houston Astros pitched in relief. Uh, He pitched the final three innings of the game. He tossed three scoreless innings with six strikeouts. Uh, That's a great final line, obviously, but Cavalli wasn't exactly facing a murderer's row of batters. So the final three innings of an exhibition game often feature a whole lot of, shall we say, scrubinis. So, okay, fine. Uh, Cavalli this past Friday in a 5-4 exhibition loss to the St. Louis Cardinals was the Nats' starting pitcher. Now, he did allow three runs in three innings. All three of the runs came in the bottom of the second, but he had three strikeouts, His velocity was great. His average fastball velocity was 97.4 miles per hour, and his fastball topped out at 98.5 miles per hour. And most tellingly, Nats manager Davey Martinez, during his postgame session with reporters, did not commit to demoting Cavalli. When asked what was next for Cavalli, Davey said, quote, I think we'll keep him here and let him throw again in five days, and then we'll see where we're at, end quote. Very interesting that Davey said that. Now, perhaps Davey just didn't want to come out and say that no matter how Cavalli does, he's going to get demoted and is going to begin the 2022 season in the minors. Uh, Perhaps Davey wants Cavalli to stay motivated and believe that anything's possible so that we see the best of Cavalli in his next exhibition outing. But what's also possible is that what Davey said is reflective of the truth that the Nats will see where Cavalli is at and are open to the possibility of him breaking camp with the Nats, of him being on the Nats opening day major league roster. Uh, That has not been what anyone has been anticipating with Cade Cavalli, but could it be, might it be, that that's a legitimate possibility. Uh, There are several reasons that the Nats have been expected to have Cade Cavalli begin his 2022 season in the minors, including that he struggled at the AAA level last season. Cavalli in the 2021 season, what was his age 22 season, pitched for the High A Wilmington Blue Rocks, the AA Harrisburg Senators, and the AAA Rochester Red Wings. So yeah, Cade Cavalli last season pitched at all three significant minor league levels, High A, AA, and AAA. Uh, Cavalli was outstanding 
for Wilmington and Harrisburg, but did struggle for Rochester, for which he over six starts had an ERA of 766 and a whip of 1.87. But all of that happened over just 24 and two-thirds innings. So I wouldn't go too crazy over Cade Cavalli having struggled at the AAA level last season. The notion, though, that Cade Cavalli could use some more minor league seasoning before being called up to the majors isn't unreasonable. Obviously, if you're the Nats, what you want is for Cavalli to be called up to the majors and then stay in the majors. Uh, You don't want Cavalli being toggled between the major league level and the minor league level. You don't want Cavalli getting Eric Fettied and uh, being jerked between being in the majors and in the minors. But the state of the Nats rotation is not good. Uh, I just mentioned Patrick Corbin being likely to be the Nats opening day starter. The same Patrick Corbin who for the 2021 regular season was dead last among qualified major league pitchers in ERA. Uh, You know, it's looking like Anibal Sanchez does have a good chance of making the Nats and beginning the season in the Nats rotation. Uh, This is the same Anibal Sanchez who in the 2021 season did not pitch in the majors. He last pitched in the majors in the 2020 regular season and for the Nats, but he, for the Nats in the 2020 regular season in 53 innings over 11 starts had an ERA of 662 and a whip of 1.66. The Nats have brought him back on a minor league deal. The 2022 season would be his age 38 season, but that Enable Sanchez has a good chance of making the Nats and beginning the season in the Nats rotation tells you everything that you need to know about the state of the Nats rotation. And so why shouldn't Cade Cavalli beginning the season in the Nats rotation be on the table? The Nats took Cavalli with the number 22 pick in the 2020 MLB draft out of the University of Oklahoma. MLB Pipeline this month ranked Cavalli as the number 39 prospect in baseball. The 2022 season will be his age 23 season. Uh, He certainly looks the part. Uh, Your looks aren't everything as a pitcher, but the guy is listed as being 6'4 and 240 pounds. I do think that it's more likely that Cavalli will begin his 2022 season in the minors as opposed to in the majors. But him beginning the 2022 season in the majors does now seem like more of a possibility. Also, regarding the Nats over the last few days, uh, the team has brought back yet another player from the team's past. I tell you, for a rebuilding team, the Nats sure have a lot of older players in camp, especially guys who previously played for the Nats. Uh, I just mentioned Anibal Sanchez on a minor league contract. Reliever Sean Doolittle is in Nats camp on a major league contract. Uh, the Baby Shark outfielder Gerardo Parra in Nats camp on a minor league contract. And now we have Tyler Clippard in Nats camp. Yes, Tyler Clippard. Uh, we on Saturday learned that the Nats had signed Tyler Clippard to a minor league contract. Uh, the 2022 season will be Clippard's age 37 season. Uh, Clippard pitched for the Nats from 2008 through 2014, and he was a great Nat. I mean, you actually could argue that Tyler Clippard is the best relief pitcher in Nationals history. Uh, Clippard, over his seven regular seasons in his first stint with the Nats, had an ERA of 268 over 464 innings. Uh, He was a workhorse for the Nats. Clippard, in each of five consecutive regular seasons, 2010 through 2014, appeared in at least 72 games and threw at least 70 and a third innings. In fact, Clippard is number one in Nationals history. So since the franchise became the Nats, beginning with the 2005 season, in regular season appearances by a pitcher at 414. Uh, Now, Clippard, since his time 
with the Nats, has very much become a journeyman. Uh, Clifford from 2015 through 2021 pitched for nine different major league teams. So the Oakland A's, the New York Mets, the Arizona Diamondbacks over two different stints, the New York Yankees, the Chicago White Sox, the Houston Astros, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Cleveland Indians, the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Clifford pitched for the Diamondbacks in the 2021 season. He in the 2021 regular season, totaled just 25 and a third innings due to a shoulder strain, which was the first significant injury of his major league career. How about that? I mean, that's the thing with Clifford. He has been remarkably durable in his career, but he did deal with that shoulder strain last season. He is entering his age 37 season. Look, I'm not a big fan of the Nats having all of these older players. And, you know, it's not just the former Nats. It's these veteran players who are looking like they'll be starting players for the Nats. Uh, Cesar Hernandez looks like he'll be the Nats starting second baseman. Alcides Escobar looks like he'll be the Nats starting shortstop. Michael Franco looks like he'll be the Nats starting third baseman. And it's not like all of those guys are ancient and all of those guys have no talent. It's just that all three of those guys are what they are, you know? And if you're going to lose 90 games this season, you're much better off losing with young players who are developing and improving than you're losing with placeholder players who are roads to nowhere, unless you can somehow trade one or more of those players for a prospect or prospects. But I mean, realistically, how much might Cesar Hernandez or Michael Franco command in a midseason trade? But all of that said, bullpens to me are different. Position players and starting pitchers are foundational pieces and are players who, in theory, you draft and develop. Relievers are different. Relievers basically are pitching vagabonds, okay? Relievers basically are all failed starters. Many, if not most teams, piece together bullpens in year-by-year fashion. Uh, The Nats in the 2021 regular season finished dead last out of 15 National League teams with a relief pitching ERA of 510. So I do not mind that the Nats have signed Tyler Clippard to a minor league deal, just like I did not mind that the Nats signed Sean Doolittle to a major league deal. I mean, these guys are costing the Nats next to nothing. And if they happen to pitch well, they can be flipped to contenders who are always looking for a bullpen help. And if the Nats themselves somehow are a playoff contender, uh, then great. Uh, Clippert has been a good reliever. You know, the notion of him making the Nats and being good for the Nats this coming season really isn't that far-fetched. So I do not have a problem with the Nats signing Clippert to a minor league deal. But it is funny the extent to which the Nats, the supposedly rebuilding Nats coming off a 97 loss 2021 regular season have all of these older players in camp and now especially have all of these guys who previously played for the Nats. Uh, Tyler Clippard last pitch for the Nats in the 2014 season. We're about to begin the 2022 season, but I tell you what, Clippard may well make the team. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 281, will feature lots on the commanders. Then we'll see what happens on Monday. If something significant happens with the commanders at the annual league meeting, which is taking place in Palm Beach, Florida, then I'll certainly discuss uh, whatever has gone down with the commanders. It is possible uh, that something could happen with the commanders in free agency. But if there is no major news with the commanders on Monday, expect a special guest 
on Tuesday's show to talk commanders. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Also, on Tuesday's show, I'll talk capitals. Uh, They will host the Metropolitan Division-leading Carolina Hurricanes Monday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. And to have it structured in a manner that would allow us, um, you know, maximum flexibility to execute the rest of our off-season plan. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.